Good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are, week number five on our uh, series around the life of Elisha that we're talking about living for a cause. But before we get into that, I just want to say how grateful I am for such an amazing First Fruit Sunday last Sunday. What an incredible privilege it was to pray with each and every person um, online, in person, um, as we honoured God this year. And I'm just so grateful to God and we are believing God. What are we believing for? Barnesfield and that's overflowing in every area of our lives, personally and corporately as a church. We are believing God and standing with you. We've released our faith. We've agreed together. And you know what? God is going to show himself strong. And that's a great entry really into what I'm going to be speaking about today, which is make room for your miracle. And um, you know, it's a principle in God that our God is an almighty God and we've got to open up the doors of our life and make room for what God wants to do in our lives. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to um, the book of 2 Kings, which is where we find a lot about Elisha. <clears throat> and in, in the fourth chapter, of course, just last Sunday, we um, saw about the oil that began to flow as this incredible lady. You know, she didn't have anything left. And he said, what have you got in your house? And um, all she had was just a little bit of oil. And from that little bit of oil came this incredible outpouring of abundance into her life. And so as we carry on from there, we're just going to begin with verse 8. Now, I've got the whole chapter to read today. We're not going to do it in one chunk because... I'd just be reading for ages. So I'm going to split it up a little bit and then just make some points, you know, from this person's life. But it's, it's the account of where Elisha, um, through his incredible love and, and just his favour on people, um, he prays for somebody and they have a child, which is absolutely brilliant. And again, you know, our, our story, Sharon and I, is that, you know, I was told by the doctors, Sharon and I were told by the doctors that we would never have children. And yet we've got three fantastic boys and we are a living testimony to what God can do when you stand on the word of God. So this is especially, you know, uh, uh, stirring for me. But um, so I'm going to split it up. But it's this account of this incredible move of God. And this person has a child when it was against the odds. But something goes incredibly wrong and the child, um, it, something happens, he doesn't tell you what happens, he says he's got a pain in his head and he dies. And then the power of God through Elisha brings life back into the dead child's body and this child is raised from the dead in the most amazing way. So this is a powerful story today. You can apply it to all sorts of areas of your life. Where do you need God to break through? And you know, perhaps you're facing a huge challenge right now. Well, God can turn it around. But here we are from verse eight. It says, now it happened one day, Elisha goes to Shunem and there was this great lady there and she persuaded him to eat some food. That's a good thing to do. <laughs> great start to a story, eat something. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, this is a holy man of God who passes by us all the time. Please, let's make a small upper room on the wall and let us put it there a bed, a table, a chair, a lampstand, that whenever he comes to us, he can stay there. And it happened that he came one day after they'd done this um, and he turned 
into the upper room and he lay down on the bed. And it says he called to Gehazi, who's his servant. We're going to be hearing a lot about Gehazi over the next few weeks. He was his servant. He was his associate, as it were. Um, but Gehazi had some real issues. But here he is. And um, it says, um, he speaks to Gehazi and he says, you know, um, call this, this person in. And um, he said, after he called her, she stood before him and he said to, and he said to him, now say to the lady... Look, you've been concerned for us with all this care. How can I serve you? What can I do for you? One of the greatest expressions in the Bible, and we use it all the time in Citygate, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king? What favour, eh? Do you want me to speak to the king or the commander of the army? And she said, no, I just live here among my own people. And he said, what can be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, actually, she has no son. Her husband is old. So he said, well, bring her in here. Call her here. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And Elisha said, about this time next, in a year's time, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. But she conceived and she bore a son when the appointed time had come which Elisha had said. So that's the start of what's going to be a fantastic account in the Bible. And so I'm going to just split this up and we're just going to make, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine points I think I've got here today. But each one is going to be life transforming. These are keys to making room for your miracle. And the first thing that I want to say today is use your gift for God. You know what? How we respond to God is going to determine our course of life. How we respond to opportunities, how we respond to God is going to determine the course of our life. And the first most important in some ways point here is use your gift for God. You know, it says she was a great lady. You know, she had substance, she had um, ability, she obviously had some finances, she had a house, she had all of that stuff. And she had decided on the inside, you know what? That which I have, I'm going to make available to God. I'm going to use for God. And so often I've spoken to people in their lives and say, you know, just, just live for God wholeheartedly. And they said, yeah, but I'm not, you know, I'm not called to be this. I'm not called to be that. I don't have some great healing anointing upon my life, even though everybody, the Bible says, believers can heal the sick. But, you know, people always see what they don't have. And yet it's important to see what you do have. What is it that God has put in your life because that's the thing that God wants to use for his glory? You know, perhaps you say, well, I'm just a school teacher. Use your gift for the glory of God. Perhaps you say, well, I'm just an accountant or I'm just an office worker or I'm just a shop assistant or I'm just a stay-at-home mum or dad. Whatever it is that you say, I'm just you know what, that's the very thing that God wants to say, I want to move into that. I want to express my glory in your everyday life. So you spend eight hours a day in an office, God wants to move into that office. So you spend six, seven, eight hours a day in a school you know, classroom, God wants to move into that classroom. And this woman's attitude was fantastic. She said, that which I have, I'm going to open up so God can move in. Obviously, it's Elisha here, but the principle is to make room for God. Make room in your everyday, in your ordinariness, in your 
everyday life, in the things that you think, well, God can't do anything with that. How many times do we find in the Bible, and we preached on it just last week, what have you got in your hand? What have you got in your house? What is it? You see, God doesn't expect you to have everything for him to do something. No, he expects you to have something so he can do everything. God is a God who can take the little that we have and turn it into a breakthrough, turn it into a revival, turn it into something that can affect your life and other people's lives as well. So point number one is, come on, let's open up our whole lives to God, whether that's your house, whether it's your car. You know, I can remember after I just became a Christian, um, I was, I was uh, how old was I? Just, just 18, no, I wasn't, I was 19 years old, just turned 19. And I had a van. Uh, you wouldn't be allowed to do this today. I don't know if you could then. But, you know, everybody else in the youth group, they didn't really have transport, but I had a van. Um, and it's because I was a rock drummer in a band, so I had a van. And after every youth group, I said, right, everybody pile in the back of the van. As I say, you probably wouldn't be allowed to do this now, but back then, health and safety weren't as hot as they are today. Uh, thank goodness. But anyway... Um, and so people used to pile in the back of my van and I used to spend an hour, an hour after youth group just giving everybody a lift home. Why? I took what I had and I made it available to God. I took what I had. It could be your house. Have you ever thought about helping somebody out with that spare room that you have? You know, perhaps it's finances. Have you ever thought about helping somebody out with that spare finance that you have? Make room for God in your everyday life. As we open up the door of our ordinary lives, God can show himself strong. So that's the first point. The second point is this. What you feed keeps coming back. <laughs> this, is a, this is a principle in life. What you feed keeps coming back. Um, it would be the same if you have foxes in your garden. You keep feeding them, they're going to keep coming back. If you leave food outside the back door because there's a cat that wanders up and down all the gardens and you're the, I'm not saying feed other people's animals, but the principle is what you feed keeps coming back. And here, I think everybody knows the expression, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And <laughs> she proved that here. She said, come into my house and she fed him and he thought, I'm onto a good thing here. And every time he passed by, he would go in there to eat. And how we honour the things of God are going to determine how much of God keeps coming back to our lives. If we honour God, then God keeps coming back. Now, I understand that we're filled with God and we're not trying to earn our salvation. But there's a principle in the Bible here. What we feed keeps coming back. If you feed yourself with the word of God, then God's word is going to keep coming to you. Some people say, oh, you know, I'm not really hearing God and I haven't heard God for years. Well, I want to encourage you to feed yourself whether you feel like it or not. And the more you feed yourself from God's word, the more you feed yourself online like this, the more you feed yourself with podcasts and with perhaps a daily scripture or whatever it is, the more you feed yourself, the more God's word is going to come back. The more you feed, can I put it like this, the presence of God around your life and in your life, the more of the presence of God you're going to have. The more you feed the anointing. If you, you know, I hope this doesn't come across as being you know, dishonorable to the Holy Spirit. But the more we feed the person of the Holy Spirit, the more we avail ourselves of him, the more we 
we open up our hearts and say, fill me, Holy Spirit. The more we make room for him, and of course here it says she put there a bed and a table and, a, and you know, in the room that she's about to build. But the first principle here is just feed, just feed. Feed. Jesus said, come to me all who are hungry and I'll feed you. But the principle is the same. If we feed the presence of God around our lives, the presence of God will keep coming back. Of course, the opposite is true. If you feed the wrong things, then the wrong things are going to keep coming back. Some people say, I can't break this habit. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding it. I can't seem to get out of fear. Stop feeding the fears in your life. Oh, I can't seem to purify my mind. Stop feeding it with the wrong images and the wrong thoughts or the wrong things on TV or the internet because what you feed is going to keep coming back to you. You've got to starve some things out of your life. You've got to starve sin out of your life. You've got to starve greed or lust. You've got to starve these things out of your life. Every time you feed them, they'll keep coming back. Oh, these are powerful principles today. You know, the third thing, we're going to carry on here. The third thing, there we go. The third thing is this. Let's, on purpose, I've said that we need to feed the presence of God and feed the promises of God and feed the person of God. Can I put it like that? But there's one more step, and that is to make room for God to make room. She'd already opened the door of her house, her family, for God to come in. So every time Elisha went by, he came in to eat. But she said, you know what? I want this to be as permanent as it can possibly be. So she builds a room. She made room for the power of God. And she put in there a bed, the table, the lampstand. She made God, can I put it like this? She made God feel at home in her family life. She built a room, and that room was the key to the miracle in the story at the end. That room. It's really important that we make room for miracles, that we make room for the power of God in our lives. I don't want it to be a, a holiday visit every September, every August, that I get a holiday visit from the power of God. I want there to be a permanent place in my life where God lives in his power. And I understand here that Elisha still came and went, but the principle was the same. I didn't add this on an extension out the back in the back garden. I didn't just build this in the shed. I didn't have a cave at the bottom of the garden. I put this on top, on top. And that speaks to me of, I want the world to know that God lives here. I want this to be obvious. This isn't hidden out the back. This is the most important thing. You know, last Sunday we talked about first fruits and, and, you know, we received our first fruit offering. In fact, the other Sunday we talked about first fruits and last week we, we had the first fruit, you know, Sunday. And first fruits means first in time and first in priority. That's the principle here. It wasn't the first fruit, but it was, I want this room to be the most important room in my life. I'm going to put this room on top. I'm going to put this room in the most important place in my complex here. I'm going to put the room on top of the wall. You see, those things around your life, the, the um, you know, defenses around your life. I've been thinking a lot about the church and our lives being a stronghold for God. And the Bible talks about, the, you know, around the cities, there's the city wall, which makes it a stronghold. This room was on top of the wall. This room was part of the stronghold of her family life. 
And I want to encourage you as we go into 2021 to have room for God around the stronghold of your life. Because the enemy is unable to get in and get a foothold if there is room for God on the stronghold of your life. She built a place for God. The fourth thing is this, that honour brings favour. She had honoured Elisha. I don't know how long this had gone on for, a, a month or a year? I don't know. It takes time to build a room. Every time he used to come past, he used to come in and eat. Perhaps this was a year, two, three years, I don't know. But she had honoured him consistently, week in, week out, month in. Just, just, she honoured him. She honoured the presence of God. She was consistent in her honour for God. And as a result, this word came from Elisha that said, what can I do for you? She hadn't asked for anything. She was just honouring God. We all know that, you know, if we sow to the Spirit, then we're going to reap eternal life. This is not us trying to get something from God by paying for it or, you know, trying to get something from God. I'll, you know, I'll put up there a room for him in order to get something. No, that's the wrong attitude. It's to give just because we love God. We give just because we want to honour the presence of God. But there is still a principle of sowing and reaping. We understand that and our faith is with the harvest. And here, the harvest came in. The harvest came in. She even said, no, it doesn't matter. Please don't, you know. But he said, no, what can I do for you? And that's the heart of God for your life for this year. In fact, for every day. God, his expression is this. What can I do for you? And, you know, he found out. He asked, you know, do you want me to speak to the king? Do you want me to speak to the commander? And she was going, no, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm just enjoying honoring the presence of God in my life. And, you know, but he found out that he didn't have a child, that she didn't have a child. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a child. And she said, don't play games with me because this is really above and beyond. Please don't play games with me. And he said, no, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. Why? Because honor brings brings incredible favour. God's a God of favour. The Bible says he increases us with the favour of God. Favour is all through the scripture. Sometimes we stand and we believe for something and we lay hold of it and we get hold of it. Other times God just wants to turn up and says, I just want to bless you. I just want to favour your life. And I first heard really about the principles of favour back in 1991. So we're talking 30 years ago now. Uh, well, that, that's hit me a little bit. It's a long time ago. And I decided, it was in a conference, I decided that day I'm going to put my faith in the favour of God. There are times when I'm going after the promises of God and I'm standing on the word of God and I'm resisting the enemy, absolutely. But there are times when I just say, Lord, I just believe for your favour today. You know everything that's going to happen today, everything that's going to happen this year. And I'm just going to trust in this that the favour of God is going to follow me around everywhere I go. I'm going to find myself in the right place at the right time. I want you to believe for favour this year. C come on, grab hold of that right now. I believe for the favour of God 
in my life. To be favoured is the most wonderful thing. It doesn't mean to say that you are a favourite of God, because the Bible's clear, God doesn't really have any favourites, but he does favour, you know, people. He if we feed God, God will favor us. If we honor God, God will favor us. If we spend time in the presence of God, we will find we walk in the favor of God. You know, just some years ago now, we had this incredible trip. We'd been, you know, pastoring the church for 20 years. I've been, you know, um, uh, Sharon and I have been married for 30 years, different things. It was a big year for us. And we had the incredible privilege of having time out uh, for, you know, a couple of months. And we did this incredible trip. And all I can say is that the favor of God followed us everywhere we went. And as I think back, I just went through the photograph albums just the other day, actually, of all the things that we did. It was such a, a key time in our lives. But you know what? Everywhere we went, there was this incredible favor of God. Things we didn't pray for, things we didn't believe for, things that just God did by his incredible grace. Why? Because we fed the presence of God. What you honor will produce favor in your life. Okay, so that's sort of the first half of the story here. And that's all, you know, isn't that just fantastic? God moves into this person's life. God brings his favor and the most amazing things happens. Her heart's desire, I don't know if she'd lost sight of this heart's desire, if it had just become a dim and distant hope that sort of, well, I don't know if it'll ever happen now. My husband's old is what sort of happened here. But God broke through because we serve such a great God, such a wonderful God that he wants to show his favor. But now we're going to pick up from verse 18. And it says, And the child grew. Now it happened that he went out to his father one day, to those out, out there in the field, and he said to his father, my head, my head. And so he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. Very wise man here. Carry him to his mother. And when he had been um, brought into the mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then he died. And she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God in the room where there's the room for miracles. And she shut the door upon him and she went out. She called to her husband and said, please send me one of the, of, the, of the servants and the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and then come back. Even in the most incredible of lives, hand of God upon your life, incredible things going on, you've got a heart for God, you love for God, you're spending time in the word of God, you got a heart for the kingdom of God. You're doing everything to run the race. You're standing in faith. You're praying. Things are good. Things are great. Can I say this? Trouble happens. Trouble happens. Some people are amazed because they still have this little thing in their mind because of a religious tradition that says, but I'm doing the right thing. Why something gone wrong? Things going wrong are not an indication of you doing things right or, or doing things wrong. Trouble happens because we're in a world that's full of trouble. And it's important that we understand this because if we ever get into the mindset, something's gone wrong, what am I doing wrong? Then we are already on this, this understanding of law. If I do it right, I get the right results. If I do it wrong, I get the wrong results as far as the law and the things of the spirit are concerned. 
Of course, there are principles that if you put them into your life, you will build a better life, without a doubt. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. There are principles all the way through the Word of God. But it doesn't mean that we're taken out of the mess in the world. It means that while we live in the world, we are then equipped to overcome whatever we face. Here she is. She's done everything right. She's loving God. She's loving the man of God and giving him room in their family life. She's built the room. She's honored of God. She's favored of God. All of these things happened, but trouble happens. And can I say, when trouble happens, don't lose it. Don't allow your head to spin off into some craziness. I mean, she, it, this lady is just phenomenal. It doesn't say she falls apart. It doesn't say that her life is over. I mean, she sat with her child. I can't think of anything worse. And, you know, perhaps this is really pointed for some people online today. And I certainly don't want to stir upset or stir emotion or bring back any, any horrendous thoughts in your mind of perhaps what's gone on in the past. But I do need to preach the word of God here. And it says that she, she, she you know, the first thing she did he died on her lap. The first thing that she did is she took him up to the room where the presence of God lived. She took him to the room where she'd made room for miracles. So a couple of points from this. Number one is, or number five on the list is, that trouble happens. And when trouble happens, it's important that we gird our loins, you know, that we gather ourselves together, that we take captive thoughts, that we focus on the things of God, that we don't allow, you know, emotion and we don't allow stuff to fall apart in our lives. Trouble happens. You can depend on it. The Bible says we can stand in the evil day. And I don't want an evil day every day, but there are certainly times when there is an evil day. And in that evil day, we can stand, having done all to stand, stand with the armor of God upon our lives. And she had so built her life that when that evil day came for her, she knew exactly what to do. You see, trouble happens to everybody. Trouble happened to Jesus. Trouble happened to the Apostle Paul. But he had this incredible attitude. He said, I may be struck down, but I'm not out. I'm not, it isn't over till it's over. I may be cast down, but I'm not destroyed here. He said, there's always a way out. Even though we fall down seven times, we get up an eighth time. And I want to encourage you with the world almost on its face around the world, on its back, whatever you want to say, absolutely falling over all over the place. Come on, when we fall over seven times, we can get up an eighth time. And here the most horrendous thing happened, but number six here, she took the problem to the miracle room. She took the issue to God. She took the issue into the presence of Almighty God. Let's carry on. I've got another half a chapter to go here. I hope you're getting something out of this today. I love this passage of Scripture. And so she says, I'm going to take this, um, I'm going to go to the man of God and I'm going to come back. And so she hadn't even told her husband what this was all about. I mean, it's incredible. He said, how come you're going there? It's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. And all she said was, it is well. She didn't even talk to her husband. I mean, obviously, it, in the family here, it's this lady who has the relationship with God and the, and the hunger for God. And so she didn't invite conversation from anybody 
In this case, even her husband, I'm not trying to in any way try to stir up division in marriages here. Please don't misunderstand this. But she knew the conversations to have and she knew the conversations to not have. She knew when to talk and when to hold her peace. I'll come back onto that one. So she saddled the donkey and she said to the servant, drive, come on, go forwards, go as fast as you can. Don't slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she departed. She goes to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel's incredible place. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to his servant, look, here comes this lady. Please go to see her and ask her if everything's okay. And so Gehazi goes to the lady and she just says, it's well. What a great attitude she had. And she came to the man of God at the hill and she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, no, leave her alone. Her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and not told me. And she said to him in verse 28, did I ask for a son from you? Didn't I say, don't deceive me? And he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready, take my staff in your hand and go on your way. If you meet anyone, don't um, speak to them, don't greet them and lay my staff on the face of the child. And this lady of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, she says to Elisha, I will not leave you, Elisha. And so he arose and he followed her. It says, um, in verse 31 now, this servant Gehazi went on ahead of them. He laid his staff on the face of the child and there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet Elisha and the lady and he told her saying, this, said the child hasn't, hasn't recovered. And Elisha came into the house and there was the child dead on, on Elisha's bed. And he went in therefore and he shut the door behind the two of them and he prayed to the Lord and he went up and he laid on the child, he put his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. He stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned, he walked back and forth in the house. Again, he went up, stretched himself out on the child. The child sneezed seven times, opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the woman. And so he called her and he said, here's your son, pick up your son. So she went in, she fell at his feet, she bowed to the ground and then she picked up her son and she went out. What an amazing miracle, incredible miracle. A child was raised from the dead. I don't know how old this child was at this, at this time, raised from the dead by the power of God. So we're just going to carry on here. I've just got three more points from this incredible account that today is stirring faith in our hearts to make room for a miracle. Number seven is this. Your tongue is your rudder. Stay focused and speak words of life. Every conversation she had outside of a conversation with Elisha, you could say with God, was this. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You see, people want to hear the gruesome details. Everybody wants to hear the problem. Everybody wants to hear the gossip. Everybody wants to know what's going wrong in your life. Oh, come on, tell me how, you know, how are you really? Have you ever had anybody come up to you and you say, how are you? And you go, I'm great, thanks. And they go, no, tell me how you are really. I'm great, thanks. <laughs> no, come on, tell me, there must be something wrong. What is it about people that they want to find a chink in your armor, they want to find an area that you're struggling in, they want to find a problem in your life. Why? Because then they feel better about themselves. 
Why do we always want to identify with each other's problems? Why don't we identify with each other's solutions? Why don't we identify and agree with the promises of God for our lives? Now, of course, there are some people, and here with Elisha, she opened up. But even with him, she didn't say the child is dead. She never said it. All she said was, I didn't ask for a son. And obviously God spoke to Elisha because he said, I don't know what's going on here. All she said was, I didn't ask for this. And God spoke to Elisha and told him the thing that was going on here. Didn't even come out of her mouth. And can I encourage us in a world today where everybody wants to pour out all sorts of stuff out of their mouths. You know, can I really speak to us really straight today and remind us, you have what you say. Your mouth will determine your future. Your tongue is your rudder. Scripturally, the Bible says, look at this huge ship. It's steered by a tiny little thing at the back called the, the tongue, actually, of your life. You steer the whole course of your life by what you say. And I want to encourage you, when there is a, a trend, and of course, of course we are open, of course we're transparent with people that are sharing faith with us and standing in agreement with us, but don't pour out your troubles on people that will just say, yeah, I know how you feel, or yep, I'm having the same sort of thing in my own life. Close your mouth. The only people you speak to and pour out the trouble are people who are going to overcome it with you, who are going to stand with you and say, well, that might be the situation, but the promise of God is this, in Jesus' name. You see, there is a comfort that comes from the presence of God only. When we go into the throne of grace, and we can open up to God, and we can say, God, you got to do something about this. This is painful. This is, this is a horrendous situation in my life. And you know what? God will bring comfort there where no one else can. Our job as believers is to stand with other people. Our job as believers is to agree with the promises of God for somebody else's life. And this lady, you know, perhaps it's time, you know, perhaps your mouth has been opened too much. Can I say that? Um, but, you know, perhaps you've said things that you shouldn't have said. Perhaps you're the sort of person that when it goes wrong, you just pour it out. Now, we're not in any way advocating just, you know, to keep it all in and get all this internal stress, which ends up, you know, turning you, you know, giving you a heart attack or making you sick or something like that. It's not what we're saying. It's not that you don't do anything with it, but you know where to take it. Take it to God. Take it to God in prayer. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon Him, because He cares for you. As far as other people are concerned, I will only share what's going on in my life with people who are strong enough to stand with me for the victory. Everything else I take to God. You know, and these people who come up and say, how are you, Pastor Joe? And I go, yeah, I'm fine. And they go, no, how are you really? So I can really pray for you. No, I'm fine, thank you very much. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Doesn't mean to say I'm trying to paint some sort of a picture that says, you know, everything's perfect. There's no trouble in my life. But it is well. This is what she said time and time again, even to Elisha's servant. It is well. 
It's all good. Some years ago, we had all these mugs made for Citygate. I've still got some at home and I use them. Every morning, Sharon brings me up this drink and if there's one that is clean, she'll give it to me in a it's all good mug. It's the way I start my day. It's all good. It's all good. It is well. It was anything but well in the natural, but it is well in faith. It is well in the promises and the plans of God. This is not hypocrisy. It's not, it's not telling lies. It's not being deceptive. It's saying, I will only give my mouth to the promises of Almighty God and I will only open up to someone who's going to turn this situation around. Oh, I love this stuff. This is so good. Number eight, as we begin to close here. I love this. Here is Elisha, and he goes into the boy alone. He closes the door. Just last Sunday, we talked about the oil, and they shut the door. Same principle again. You find it really all the way through the Bible. There are times to shut the door. There are times, and I want to encourage you, you and God are a majority. You can go into the miracle room, you can shut the door and get your miracle. You can go into the miracle room, you can go into your time of prayer, you can go into the word of God, you and God are enough to turn the situation around. And I know here we're sort of seeing ourselves as the one going to Elisha, but I want to turn it around just a little bit at the end here. You can be the Elisha in this situation. You and God are a majority. You and God are enough to turn around any um, situation. Elisha and the boy went in alone. You see, Gehazi didn't have the, the spirit to do it. Can you remember there are t there's a time in the Gospels where the you know, disciples tried to cast out demons and they couldn't do it? Other times they could, so they obviously grew in that area. But they said, we tried and we couldn't do it. And Jesus said, this type only comes out by praying and fasting. He then didn't have to go and fast. He was already fasted. We've spent this month praying and fasting. And I'm not saying it's the only time of fasting that we're going to be doing this year. I'm going to encourage you to have a fasted lifestyle going through this year. But as we spend time with God, you can be confident of this, that when you are in need of a breakthrough, you and God are enough. You've got a miracle room built in your life and God will show him strong. And finally today, and this is... Um, an incredible principle in the Word of God that I've learned over many years. And this last point, number nine, is living undercover. I think I could do a whole series on this. In fact, a lot of people have about this idea of submission in the body of Christ, submission to God. Submission is a very powerful, powerful thing. The thing we submit to is going to be the thing that impacts our lives. And how this boy was raised from the dead is really unusual. There's all sorts of unusual things in the word of God. You know, Jesus made clay, put it on this, on the blind man's eyes, and he washed and he came back seeing. I mean, different things. Stretch out your hand, you know, take up your bed and walk. He took him out, prayed twice over somebody, and, you know, he sort of forced him. He, he, it says he took his head and he made him look up. Different ways God moved in different, you know, seasons. There's something else we're going to be going through in the life of Elisha, how somebody got healed. Very powerful thing, but it was unusual. And this was an unusual way. Elisha stretched out by the leading of the Holy Spirit, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, 
hands to hands. And that really speaks to me very powerfully about what is the covering on our lives. What do we see, what do we speak, and what do we do? I believe in the power of the local church. Absolutely, I do. I believe your church alignment is incredibly important in your life. Of course, first and foremost, we're submitted to God. Absolutely, we are. You know, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit, to God's Word, to the name of Jesus, to Almighty God, Heavenly Father. That is where our accountability is. But God has also put us in a local body. And I want to encourage you with this. There is a grace on every church to be what God has called that church to be. This is why we all need each other. Every church needs every other church. Every denomination needs every other denomination. As we all work together as the body of Christ, this whole world can be impacted by God's power and God's love and God's grace. Our style of church and our type of church is not going to turn the world upside down on our own. We need everybody else and everybody else needs us. This is how the body of Christ works together. But the church you are in, obviously today I'm primarily speaking to Citygate people, but I know this goes out all over the place and I want to encourage you, whatever church you're part of, make sure you're under the covering of that church. Make sure you're saying what they're saying. Make sure you see what they see. I believe God gives a word and God gives a vision to every local church and make sure you're doing what they're doing. I know in church we have these sorts of expressions. Oh, those people are core people. Those people are really on the fringe. And um, it's our heart really as church pastors, especially in this time when we've had COVID for a year and people have been isolated and people have been physically distanced, socially distanced. People haven't been in the building. They've not been around. They've just been seeing online services, all this sort of thing. And thank God that God's moved in the most powerful way. Absolutely. And we do everything we can here in Citygate. We're doing online small groups. We're doing online youth groups. We're doing online church. We're here in person on a Sunday. So thankful to God that we are. But this is really important. Even in this time of being estranged, let your mouth be under the mouth of the church, let your eyes be under the eyes of the church, and let your hands be under the hands of the church. Let's work together in partnership, because that's where the miracles happen. That's where the breakthroughs happen. That's where God moves. Can God move independently? Yes, of course he can. But as you read the book of Acts, God moves through his church. And I want to encourage you at this time. Here we are, the start of this year. Plug in to your local church. Grab hold of their vision. Speak what they're saying. We've just had four weeks of prayer meetings. Stuff is being declared and poured out prophetically and we're standing on the Word of God. Make sure it's in your mouth, not just in our mouths. Don't be a fringe person. Be a core person. Be in the heart of the action. Oh, I haven't got time. I haven't got time for a small group. Make time for a small group. I haven't got time to go online for the prayer meetings. Make time to go online for the prayer meetings. Why? Eye to eye, hand to hand, mouth to mouth. Vitally important. And the outcome was this, the most incredible breakthroughs in this lady's life. We've covered some fantastic principles today. I love 
this account. I could have split it over two or three weeks, but we got so much to get through in the life of Elisha. I've sort of crammed it all into one. But I trust today you've got hold of something from the Spirit of God that you know that as you make room for God, as we make room for God in our lives, God moves in. His favor is released into our lives. And even when trouble happens, we have a room for miracles in our lives. I want to ask you, my friend, have you made room for God in your life at all? Today, I'm speaking, of course, to a lot of Christians, people that have said yes to Jesus Christ. But perhaps you're here today online and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never opened the door of your heart. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. And you open the door and Jesus comes in. And I want to encourage you today to open up the door of your life to make room for Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. He died on a cross to give you life. He died on the cross. He paid the ultimate price for your sin, for your shame, for your guilt, for the death that's on the inside of you. Why? Because he said, I've come to give you abundant life. Life with heavenly Father in heaven forever. It's not pie in the sky when you die. It's a relationship with God starting today if you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. How do I, perhaps you want to ask me, how do I do that? Well, you start by praying a prayer. It's very simple, really. You say, Jesus, I declare you to be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Come on, why don't you pray with me right now? I'm going to ask you to pray out loud as we do every Sunday. Come on, agree with me in prayer and say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've demonstrated your love by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I receive you now as my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, you are now a Christian. You've got a whole life of finding out about God and building your relationship with God and the person of the Holy Spirit and under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But you've made the first step today. I just want to say that God is celebrating today. All the angels are celebrating today that you've come home. You are now part of the family of God. Someone else is going to give you some other steps right now. I'm going to encourage you to get a Bible. We can send you one. Please tell us what's happened today online. God bless you. Have an amazing week. And friends, to everybody today, come on, let's help make somebody else's life great. Let's build room for miracles each and every day of our lives. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.